Hi, my name is Danny, and I am a horticulturalist. Welcome to my little podcast, Leaves, Stems and Roots. Episode 8, Season 1, Bush Food. I would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we are meeting today, the Wurundjeri people of the Cullen Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Quote, it's spring. I'm so excited I'm going to wet my plants. Anonymous. Before we get into it, a bit of admin before we start. Please rate and review. It helps build my audience. Share with anyone you think may like the dulcet tones of a garden nerd. Check out my new website, <coughs> stemsleavesandroots.com and ask to be a part of the group Stems, Leaves and Roots with Danny on Facebook and Stems, Leaves and Roots on Instagram and soon to be on YouTube. If you hear my cat meow in the background, she is really happy to add her thoughts. Hail to Lucy. Hello, my dear leaflets. I hope you are well. Technology has let me down. I had a whole episode nearly written and for some reason my computer crashed and it was lost. Well, why didn't you save it, you fool? This is not 1999. I know. I thought I had. Also, are you okay? That was this week. I have had a very up and down week, but you know what helps me? Plants. This time of year. When the sun is shining, but not too hot, and the buds are out. There are blossoms. I love blossoms, and the flowers are starting to bloom. And you might hear in my voice that I've got a little bit of a cold. I thought it was actually just hay fever, but I think it might be something a bit more now. I've had this scratchy voice for a little bit now. Anyway, uh, this episode is about bush food. I have talked about the main contributors for kitchen gardens, i.e. your common fruit and veggies. Today I want to talk about bush food and the Australian native fruit trees, bushes, grasses, etc. We can grow in our very own backyards. As many of you know, my background is in Australian natives and there were a few of these we could eat the wares from. So let's get into it, yeah? Before I start, I got most of my research from the wonderful people from Melbourne Bush Food. However, as always, I have a list of the sites I gathered my resources from and they will be in the show notes. What is known as bush tucker? English dictionary time! Food typically uncooked from plants and animals native to Australian outback. Foods regarded as typical of Australia's colonial past. Bush tucker, also called bush food, is any food native to Australia and historically eaten by Indigenous Australians, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, but it can also describe any native flora, fauna or fungi used for culinary or medicinal purposes, regardless of the continent or culture. So there you go. Why is it important and why should we continue talking about bush tucker? Well, it's part of our past. No, I am not Aboriginal, but they were here before us. So why would we ignore a people who knows more about our land years gone past than colonial English do? It's a no-brainer, really. It is the bush equivalent of kitchen gardens, where it all started from. 
how for thousands of years before us lot came stirring stuff up, they were able to use the resources of the land in their cooking, clothing and in medicine. If we can learn a fraction of those wonderful ways, it will be better for everyone. Personally, I enjoy learning about anything garden related worldwide. We should therefore envelop the teachings of the peoples who were on our land before and talking about the wonderful ways of kitchen gardens is just a start. At my school we have a few plants which would be known as push tucker and we will be adding to this in the future. So when we talk bush tucker what are we actually talking about? It is said that there are many plants across the country which we get honey, nectars, herbs, berries and veggies. There are bush food restaurants around too. Have you been to any of them? I think the most important reason we should learn more about bush tucker is the simple truth that they are native to our country and our soil and climate does not have to be manipulated as much to have these. Also, some of these plants have become endangered due to modern agricultural practices and it would be nice to get them back. No hate please, I'm just telling you as it is. I don't want to see any living species lost and indigenous and traditional farming practices have proven to work side by side. Before you run away and think there is a hidden agenda here, which there really isn't, just talking about bush tucker, let's talk about the difference between native, indigenous and endemic. Native is when an animal or plant originates from a particular country but may not be found in all parts of the country. Indigenous is an animal or plant originating from a particular geographic area of that country but can also thrive in other parts. And endemic is when an animal or plant only occurs in one geographic area and nowhere else. Examples! Kangaroo paw. We all know this one. Okay, well, there is a picture in the show notes for those who don't. Anagazanthus flabidus, which is the kangaroo paw, can be found across Australia. Coria reflexa, the common coria or native fuchsia, is indigenous to the banyal area. This occurs naturally in this area, but again can be planted in other parts around the country. Prostanthra, which is a mint species and has over... A hundred genre to this is endemic to Australia and is not found anywhere else. Okay, I bet you have seen, tried or liked a lot of bush food and not even realised it. Some of you may have even a few of these gems already in your garden. I'm going to talk about a few common ones. I'm going to start with native spinach, known as warrigal greens, tetragonus tetragonoides. Who has tried this? I used to have it in my veggie patch, but it took over. I tried to move it, but it did not like that. So next time I have it, I am going to put it into one of my mini wicking beds. If you don't know what this is, please refer to my episodes on the how-tos of kitchen gardens. Warrigal greens taste a lot like spinach. Weird that. It's a dull green colour. It's actually not just native to Australia, but to New Zealand, Chile, Argentina and Japan. It tolerates all soil. It sprawls for about 2 metres and reaches to about 20 centimetres. Although the one I had grew further than 200 centimetres. Who knows what esculenta means? 
If you said edible, then give yourself a gold star or give me five stars. And if you had no idea, please still give me five stars as I just taught you something new. What are you talking about when I'm talking five stars? Please rate me five stars on the podcast platform you are using. New question. What does teradium esculenta mean? Teradium is one of those odd words beginning with the letter P. It is, of course, edible bracken. In the recesses of my brain, amongst the hermaphroditic snails and the Benjamin Button jellyfish, Teretopsis dohornii, I knew there was an edible bracken. It is to be eaten sparingly, can be pickled, and is filled with antioxidants and other awesome things like that. Fun fact, your common tomato is called Lysopersican Esculentum Gardener's Delight, so good to know as this means edible too. Obviously, I won't be discussing about all bush foods, just the ones I think you will know of. Murnong yam, Microsurus scapogera. It's a yam. Well, duh. It is tuberous and has a nutty flavour to it after it's been roasted. It sounds yum. It is grown very similar to other tuberous um, things like potatoes and other yams. I must try it. It is easy to grow and has a beautiful yellow flower. This is available in many specialised bush food plant nurseries. This nearly became extinct due to early grazing. It's great for pots. It can be harvested once it flowers. The Midium Bush, Ostromertus dulcis, is a cute little bush with edible berries. They are quite yummy. I have one in my garden. And fun fact, when I worked in the native nursery, it was one of the first scientific names I learnt because dulcis is very similar to dulci, which was my grandmother's name. Fabalium felicifolia was another first I remember due to sounding like my mum's name, Phyllis. So there you go. Having trouble remembering scientific names? Relate them to your loved ones. Anyway, the Midium bush, also known as Midgen berries, is very popular at the moment. It grows slowly but has a relatively long fruiting cycle and propagated easy through cuttings. It tastes between apple and Australian mint. Belladera scandens, commonly named sweet appleberry plant. This has small, long, oval-shaped fruit, which look like warped apples. I haven't tasted this one, but it's on the list to have a go. It is a small shrub, can be a climber or prostrate form. It is non-invasive and has clusters of pinkish-white flowers. It fruits in summer and tastes somewhere between kiwi fruit or stewed apples. Mind is boggling. Apium prostratum, sea celery or parsley. This is a herb and it's quite versatile and is able to grow in pots. Like parsley, it can be harvested at any time, clipping off leaves when needed. I've actually ordered this, but as it is unavailable, I will have to wait until I can tell you what it's like. It grows like parsley and can be used like parsley has and also has an aroma of celery. Which might be good because I can't eat celery, but I do like celery. (laughs) Anyway, they have clusters of small white flowers. 
saltbush. There are many species of saltbush. However, the edible saltbush is under the banner of a triplex. I remember learning this one at uni. A classmate had a very easy way to remember one of its genre, a triplex cinera. And he used to say multi-complex cinema. <laughs> Still remember it this way. Suck on a leaf if you want to know why it's called saltbush. They are a semi they are a semi-succulent. They are a grey colour and due to its salty taste is therefore adaptable to the seaside landscape. They can grow large or small depending on their habit. The leaves can be sautéed, fried or tossed in salads and apparently they go really well with fish. Who would have thunk it? Anyway, finger lime, finger lime, finger lime, finger lime. Citrus Australasica, it's a lime. They have a compact habit and can be grown into an informal hedge and is a great source to attract beneficial insects and deter nasties away. As they are better known in uh, Queensland and New South Wales, varieties grown in Victoria and other states are mostly grafted. They are also known as caviar limes as their insides are small cylindrical pods looking a lot like caviar. I think they look like sushi. (laughs) They are mostly cooked, but lots of people prefer them raw. I haven't tried them yet either, but really want to. Sounds yum. They apparently work well with seafood. The last thing I wanted to talk about is Australian mint. There is a plethora of Australian native mint, which can be used in teas, desserts and eaten sparingly. They're also good for mozzie bites and lots of other medicinal ways. Also good for your gut. Prostanthra is an Australian native with hundreds of different genus. I have a volifolia in my backyard and I dry it and have it as a pungent tea. As I said at the top of the episode, Prostanthra is endemic to Australia. Prostanthra rotundifolia is also known as a native oregano. Mm. Rotundifolia, avolifolia. Round leaves and oval leaves. Sometimes you wonder where they think of their names. There is also Mentha australis, which is known as native river mint. One of these uh, superfoods you've probably heard of, which apparently can do everything. I've used this and I like the smell and it's great for mozzie bites. But as a smell of bush or tea, I prefer the prostanthra. No fisticuffs, please. It's all really what you like. There are many native mints as there are with mints in general. As I said before, I could be all day talking bush tucker. What's your favourite indigenous food? What have I forgotten? Please let me know. Okay. If you want a kitchen garden devoted to bush tucker, then that's easy enough to do. You have the tools to build your garden. If you want a finger lime instead or as well as a lemon, then just do it. The bush tucker and traditional English kitchen gardens can be planted in harmony and yes, it will work. What have I got in my garden? Well, as I said, I have Ostromertus dulcis which I love and it does remind me of my grandma, even though I learned about this wonderful plant decades after her passing. I also have Prostanthra ovifolia, and it is huge. 
It has the most delicate purple flowers and it just smells divine. I actually cut it back the other day and it just, I, I think it just grew the next week. Both are actually really easy to propagate and I have cuttings growing at the moment. I really hope you learnt something about, about Pooch Tucker and the reasons why we should still continue having it. And until next time, my dear leaflets, toodaloo. Hope you're doing all right and remember to look after your brains. <laughs> Toodles. All media pertaining to this episode will be in the show notes. Please follow through Instagram and we now have a Facebook group. Tell me about your kitchen gardens. Please remember to rate and review. And remember to pull up your plants so we can get dirty. Blop, blop.